This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. From the ArmeniaProud.com studios. Genatsat Hayed. This is a toast to Armenia with Jono Kabinjian. A comprehensive look at the Armenian culture only on lineupmedia.fm. Genatsat, Genatsat, Pailuis and Spesek. How are you, my friends? Not much happening in the studio here. We got Yo Radio. Yo Radio's been uh, doing really well, and uh, we've been doing a lot of shows, podcast shows. We've uh, got free music out there. Um, I tell you, we're really getting things going with this YoRadio.com. Please check it out. Download it. It's free. Uh, during this time, though, I've been kind of out, and Anusha stepped in. God bless her. And uh, she's got a great interview here with Hurag. Kalebjian and uh, Hurag, uh, he's part of the coffee business out there in the West Coast. And I tell you what, folks, I could have used some of his coffee this morning. And uh, let's get right to it. Hello and welcome to another episode on Armenia Proud, Toast to Armenia. This is the segment with Anush where I talk about wine. But today we're not going to talk about wine, but another beverage that has a lot of similarities and actually is one of my favorite beverages. Uh, it has a lot of um, a similar aspects from the standpoint of growing, the composition, some of the processing, but we'll talk about it more later. I'm super excited to talk and learn all about coffee and discuss similarities of coffee and wine, as well as learn all about Armenian heritage of my guest. Today, I have Harag of Henry's House of Coffee. Hi, Harag. How are you? Hi, Anush. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. It is, I'm so excited about today's conversation. I uh, pretty much drink three things, uh, water, yeah. coffee, and wine. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, water, of course, I can't without it, but it's coffee in the morning, coffee every morning, and then in the evening, wine. Not every evening, but a lot of evenings. Right. So it's, uh, I, I can't live without coffee. Sure, sure. I don't think most people can. And once, you're, uh, once you have a couple cups, then it just becomes a, a daily ritual from then on. Absolutely. And then coffee, it's like wine. The more you drink coffee, I think the more your palate develops and mm -hmm. you understand more and it gets more sophisticated. But... We can talk about uh, coffee in a little bit. I wanted to uh, ask you to tell us about Henry's House of Coffee and uh, your Armenian background and heritage. Sure. The, um, so before it was called Henry's House of Coffee, it was actually called House of Coffee. And it started in 1965 by an Armenian named uh, Antranik Devletian, or he would go by Andy. Antranik um, was a Romanian-Armenian, and he emigrated to the United States and opened up a like a Middle Eastern market. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, back then, having there was no such thing as coffee shops, but Antranik did have a small little coffee roaster. And he was selling gourmet, high-end coffee, along with 
uh, you know, cheeses and spices and sujuk and all these other type Ooh. of Armenian and Middle Eastern um, things to eat in his store. And uh, he, he, in the early 70s, the uh, landlord uh, raised the rent and he had to, to move locations. And he was so upset by, by being a renter, he decided that he was going to purchase the, the building that he was going to move into. And so he moved about 15 blocks away where the store is currently. Um, and in, I think it was about 1977 is when he opened up the, the business and called it House of Coffee. Yeah. My father um, is not related to Antani at all, but, you know, my father grew up in, in Lebanon in a, in a little area called Hajin. Mm-hmm. And my father's father owned a bakery. And back then, um, as it is now, coffee was a part of, of the Lebanese culture, particularly mm-hmm. the Armenian diaspora in Lebanon. And so what my grandfather thought he would do is offer coffee to his customers to draw you know, some traffic to the store. Even though he was a bakery, he thought it would go hand in hand. Absolutely. Um, and this is like, you know, this is in the 60s, but you can imagine, or even in the 50s, actually, and you can imagine there's no Starbucks or Costco and to go buy coffee and brew it. You actually had to roast it yourself. Mm-hmm. So my grandfather would roast the, the raw coffee beans in, you know, in a pan. And um, when my father was about 12 or 13, he was helping my father with the business as was common back then yeah. because it's free labor and your kids aren't <laughs> going to school. Um, and so my father's job was roasting the coffee beans. Um, and, and my dad tells this really cute story of, you know, he's roasting the beans and I forget how old he is, but he kind of burns his hand on the pan. Aww. And my grandfather says, Oh, Delas, Oh, my son, don't worry. Don't worry. Now the, the secret of roasting is in your blood oh. kind of to like encourage him. Oh. And it's such a sweet and cute story. So, my father has these memories of him, you know, roasting coffee. And when he emigrated to the United States, he wasn't looking to become a coffee roaster. He, he actually was a draftsman. He was working at, a, at an engineering firm designing some high-end um, HVAC machines. But he got laid off. And typical Armenians, he's like, he said, you know, I'm going to run my own business. I know uh-huh. how to do this. I've done it before. And he heard about in the community, in the Armenian community, he heard about an Armenian man that was looking to sell his store. And that was Antranik. And when he went into the store to take a look at it, he saw a small coffee roaster in the back and saw, said, oh, my God, I know how to do this. This yeah. is, you know, this is a perfect fit. So my father purchased the business in 1983. Okay. And Antranik retired from his business that he'd started in 1965. And so my father had Henry's House of, uh, house of Coffee. And started to, you know, run the business and, and slowly started to focus on coffee. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the late 80s and early 90s, Starbucks and Pete's, you know, they were making a big name. And coffee was becoming a thing. It was yeah. becoming more of a place where you would go to hang out. Absolutely. More of a place where you would go and grab a cup of coffee. Meet friends, now, talk to them. Yep, exactly, exactly. Now, you know, when my father bought the business... I was in kindergarten, mm-hmm. and I just remember being in fourth, fourth grade, fifth grade, and my father, typical Armenian, you know, <laughs> Yegur, come here, Yegur, you're going to help me out. So he would wake me up on the weekends and drag me to the store, and I hated it because I wanted to watch <laughs> cartoons. So my, my memories of the store were just more of like suffering on Saturdays, 
filling bags with coffee beans and being bored to death that, you know, I have to help dad. So, kind of like so, so that kind of leads me to the question that you didn't go into the family business at yeah. first, <laughs> right? Yeah, am I, I, am I getting I not, the right? Yeah, yeah, you're on the right track. Not uh -huh. only did I not get it, I didn't want to be a part of it. I just, just those, those thoughts of like my, my Saturday mornings, you know, being stuck. Little did I know what my father was doing but you know when you're 12 you're not thinking about oh, yeah. work experience and F work ethic and all that so yeah um so i didn't so, i didn't well, jump yeah. into the family business i when i graduated from school my father was always an advocate of education so um you know i i graduated with a finance degree and i got my mba in finance and mm -hmm. i worked in the corporate finance world for about 10 years yeah and, uh, <laughs> and you know that's and then what happened <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and the corporate world is great. It's uh, it's a consistent job, but it's also, you know, it's tough. And uh, it's like a rat race sometimes. And um, I remember, you know, I was working at a large insurance firm and I was involved in um, basically analyzing data and telling stories about the data to the sales team. And every time I would meet with the sales teams, I always think to myself, oh, that's a great idea what they're doing. I should tell my dad or Oh, that's interesting how they implemented that idea. Mm -hmm. I should tell my dad about the store. So then I just got tired of all that. I said, you know what? I have nothing to lose. Yeah. Here's a here's a here's a business that my father and Antani created. It's been around for a really long time. It's very unique. San Francisco loves that. Let yeah. me uh, take a take a chance and see what I can do. Yeah. And that, so I made the switch in 2013. This is another similarity that um I can draw from uh, in the wine and coffee that a lot of people who are in the wine did work in the corporate world as well. And then it's mm -hmm. like one day they are like, okay, now it's time to dive in into something that's more yep. hands-on, something that's more tangible, something that connects to the people. And the coffee seems like a perfect opportunity to connect people, history, background, yeah, and, uh, you know, bring people closer together that is that is amazing yeah and so you know I, yeah I, I i was just gonna say i my intentions of joining the business initially was oh this is a great business i can i think there's a lot of opportunity it was very business business centric when mm -hmm. i was thinking early on and then as i started you know working in the in the shop and becoming a little closer with my father and the employees and the customers, I, I started to look at the business a little bit differently. And what I mean by that was, how has this business survived for so long? What makes it so unique that we've been around this long? Mm -hmm. And see if I can express that and promote that more than just being in this physical location. Absolutely. So do you think that by working with your dad, um, things are much different? I mean, what is, how is it working with your father? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know about you, Anush, but, you know, my parents, my dad specifically, he worked, I, never, I really didn't see him much, especially on the weekend. So that was pretty tough. And I have kids of my own now and I, and I can um, appreciate what my father did for me. Yeah. You know, he gave me all this, all this, all these things that he didn't have, but at the same time, he sacrificed his time with me. Mm -hmm. And now working with my father, it's almost like I'm rekindling that relationship. So from that oh. perspective, it's amazing. And I love it. And I get to hang out with my dad 
on the flip side, I get to hang out with my dad. And <laughs> with my dad yeah. all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so for, for folks that are listening, if you've worked with your family members, yeah, it's great. And it's also really, really annoying and frustrating because yeah. it's your, you know, it's your family. So um, I think early on, if I'm being honest, we struggle trying to figure out what our roles were. And it's interesting because you, you talk about it and you make, you know, uh, statements. But when you're in the midst of it, it's really tough mm-hmm. and it's hard to let go. I, I mean, I, I, I have a lot of empathy for my dad. He's been doing this for over 30 years. And then here comes his son and he's like, Bob, why are you doing it this way? Bob, yeah. why do you pick this color? Bob, you know, like I get it. And in the first couple of years, it was it was really difficult. And I tell this story. Um, all the time I had, I had come into the business and I didn't want to do anything, but just observe. So I did that for about four months. Uh-huh. I just, I just worked. Yeah. And I would notice that every once in a while we would run out of milk. So we have a coffee shop and we make espresso drinks. And a big part of our business is milk related drinks, lattes and cappuccinos. Yeah. Why are we running out of milk? Uh, and I, I, I realized, well, you know, when the person that orders milk calls out sick, the new person that's there, they don't know how to order it or they make a mistake and they don't order enough and we run out of milk. Yeah. Aha, I said, yeah. here's my first opportunity. I'm going to create a, a milk order form and we'll simplify it. Very basic. It's not a big deal. It's not changing anything. I'm just kind of organizing this process. So I create the form. I'm sitting down with my mom and dad at their house and I'm explaining this to them. Yeah. And and uh you know my mom's listening she's like Amadras inchelatsies. Adam, you are so smart. This is brilliant, right? Like those kinds of comments. Yeah. And my dad's kind of like, you know, he's he's watching and try and so at some point I turn to my dad. I'm like, "Dad, what do you think?" And he said, "Dras amens terkes kertagor." And what he said was, "I feel like everything's being taken from me." Mm-hmm. I was like, and it, it, it was a true shock. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? What yeah. do you mean? Every, it's a milk order form. Yeah. So from then on, I realized, okay, what may seem very simple and basic to you, Harag, yeah. you really need to rethink and try to do things a little bit differently to, to, to make sure that dad Daddy, feels yeah. comfortable. Because yeah. even as something as stupid as a milk order form, He's feeling like everything's being taken from him. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, I mean, this is, I guess, this is the beauty of, uh, you know, working with your dad. And yeah. even though, you know, at times, you know, the parents, because they're older generation, they will, they don't get um, things that, uh, you know, things can be made easier with all the technology. Yes. But at the same time, I think they can be um, assured that their business is going to work. It's going mm-hmm. to last longer and they are leaving a heritage for yeah. you and the grandkids. And that's yeah. amazing, the relationship that you're developing. That's Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> and this is, you know, this is the reality of a small business. It's not all like butterflies and rainbows and happy times. It's difficult times because when you're transitioning something, it's it's a difficult chapter to close. Yeah. Um, I didn't I didn't even think about that uh, when I was here the first year, but you know it's been five years now and we've really figured out 
our roles, a lot of the things that I've been working on, like you mentioned, are working. So I think that helps my father yeah. realize like the th- things Hadag is doing is working. It's Maybe working. I should let go. Uh-huh. Um, and it, I mean, it, things are great. I can't complain. And and every day, I'm I'm thankful. And I also focus on making sure that I'm honoring whatever it was that my dad and Antranik and my grandfather. Yeah. did for this business every single thing that i do and i say in social media on in my emails on our website whatever it is it's all about our tradition and our heritage oh that's very sweet that's sweet and that's what brings people back because uh you know you go to a grocery store and you buy a coffee you don't yeah. really know the story history who is doing it etc i'm sure there's like um, a lot of people involved but when people have connection and mm-hmm. they come and see you and your dad and um, the dynamics and read the story. That's what I think makes people come come more. And we can we will talk about, you know, more of the details about that later on. But yeah. I wanted to um, now dive in into all about coffee. Um, yeah. uh, where uh, where does your coffee come from, and are these the sources that you had since the first ownership, or things are yeah. uh, developing, etc.? Yeah, great question. So let me just take a step back for the listeners and and let them know that coffee is actually a cherry tree, mm-hmm. and we call it a bean, but it's actually the seed of the cherry. So a coffee tree is about six to seven feet tall. And it produces these coffee cherries. They can range from, you know, red, yellow, or orange. And then inside the cherry are two little seeds. And those are the coffee beans. Mm -hmm. And uh, an interesting fun fact for you, Anush, is one coffee tree makes one pound of roasted coffee once a year. Wow. Yeah. That's not a lot. That's nothing. So think about how many trees there are in this world. Yes. Yeah, we're roasting, you know, 50 to 70,000 pounds a year. Wow. That's just us. And then you take, you know, the magnitude of Starbucks and Pete. So so the conservation and sustainability of coffee has been um, of utmost importance. Yes. Um, in, the, in the 50s and 60s, it was a true commodity. It would just kind of grow like a weed. Um, and, and there's two main, just like in, in wine, there's two main varietals. Of coffee, there's a one called Robusta, which is a very low-grade coffee. It grows like a weed. It's in your, you know, lower-grade uh, brands like Folgers, mm-hmm. uh, where it's like those instant coffees, very dirty and rough, mm-hmm. uh, tastes like uh, earth. Mm-hmm. And then you have another varietal called an Arabica, which is a very high-end specialty coffee. It has to grow in certain microclimates. Mm-hmm. It takes five years to actually for it to start producing beans. Just so there's like a, lot a of vine. Investment. Just yeah. like a vine, it takes five years to make the um, the wine. See, Interesting. Like putting in all yeah. those correlations. Yeah, wow. and so, you know, in the fifties, forties, fifties, sixties, the the big produ- the big big countries that were producing coffee, you know, were the Central and South American coffees, mainly Brazil and Colombia. Yeah. And that's why, uh, you know, when I talk with like grandmas, Armenian grandmas, sometimes they'll say, uh, you know, Colombian pet, go bring Colombian because. That's all that was available back then. Yeah, was Colombian coffee, but um, you know the the emphasis on high end coffee has changed, and a lot of that has to do with you know companies like Starbucks that have brought the uh, coffee to the forefront and made it a more kind of a, a high end drink for the consumer. So, to answer your question, we don't just have you know a Colombian coffee. We have over fifteen different 
um, countries from Colombia and Brazil, some unique co coffees from Thailand, uh, Jamaica, if you can imagine. It's called mm -hmm. the Jamaican Blue Mountain. Um, and my father has started to, you know, back, I would say 20 years ago, he started to experiment with a lot of countries and asking customers for their feedback on, hey, what do you think of this taste? I'm going to make a blend. Give me your feedback. And a mm -hmm. lot of that kind of early research that my father did has helped us kind of establish the different co coffee beans that we have right now. That is amazing. That is so much work. Yeah. That it is, is a lot exciting of work. work. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. And, you know, the, the fascinating thing for me is he, my father specifically has done all this just as like a, as an artist. There's no lot, there's no science. He doesn't have Excel spreadsheets. He doesn't have computer systems. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all written down. I actually have a picture oh. um, of a, um, of some writing that my father had done on a post in the back of our store. We have a column and on the post he would write how many pounds of coffee he roasted per month. I'm like, dad, why didn't you write this on a piece of paper? And he'd yeah. say, Oh, Antranik did that. So I would just kind of copy him uh -huh. as I was learning. And so I still have it. I have it. We haven't painted over it. It's kind of white out and cleared up. Cause I want to keep that as a memory yeah, absolutely. of his hard work. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you have, so you have your um, countries and the companies that you work with, who yeah. send you the coffee. Now, do you roast? You do roast the coffee there. They don't send. They send in the green. Are they green? The beans are yes. typically yeah. green. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The the coffee is green, and the reason it's green is because it still has some humidity in it. It's a roughly ten percent humidity when we get it from the farm. Mm -hmm. um, and just to give some more background, you know, the farmers are harvesting. In, around November, that's when they're they're harvesting the cherries. It's all done by hand, and then depending on the size of the farm, uh -huh. they will they will have machines that will spit the seed out mm -hmm. and wash those seeds so that they can send it over to us. Some farms are very small, and so they they'll call a co-op, meaning they'll drive to the local larger farm, and they'll sell those coffees to the larger farm, so the larger farm can actually process those cherries. Mm -hmm. So then, they take, um, they take the, so, so and another, and, and I'm putting this, all the wine information, another correlation yeah. because the wine is also October, November harvest yeah. and then also the processing and harvesting. So they take off the uh, meat from those coffee cherries correct, um, correct. or they crush it and, or yeah. how, how do Good they question. do it? Yeah. So the, the meat of the cherry, they call it mucilage is uh -huh. the term. And they have a machine called a musilejador in Spanish, uh -huh. which basically yeah. means mucilage, mucilage remover. Yeah. And it looks like a cheese grater, like a really big cheese grater. Oh. And the machine basically rubs the cherry uh -huh. against this cheese grater. And the pressure pops the seed out into a separate container. Mm -hmm. And you can adjust, you can fine tune these machines. So the seed that's coming out is either completely clean of mucilage or... You can leave a little bit of mucilage on it, and that enhances the flavor I, I of the coffee. I was going to ask, does it, yeah, does having that on, does <clears throat> it, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, and what happens is when they have these raw seeds just sitting on the farm, they'll put them in these baths, mm -hmm. and they'll let them sit for a couple of days, and it ferments. And that enhances the flavor even more. And, and this is where the coffee industry has taken it to a different level over the last 10 years because the farmers are getting excited and they're saying, okay, I'm going to ferment it for three days, but I'm going to leave a little bit of the mucilage on it. 
Mm -hmm. don't you try that and see what it does? And then another farmer will say, you know what? I'm not going to leave any mucilage, but I'm going to ferment it for six days Mm -hmm. and I'm going to send it to the roaster and see what. So there's a lot of experimenting being done right now. That's amazing. And it's leading to all these different types of flavors and nuances that that most folks are not used to tasting when it comes to coffee. Absolutely. I mean, now my understanding is that, you know, when you have something, uh, some mucilage dried on the uh on the bean and yeah. it's fermenting that should e- give some extra like fruitiness and sweetness maybe to the bean correct yes or and then the other well. one yeah and the other one without exactly in the city and the other one would be more um you know uh jammier or maybe like more concentrated flavor without the mucilage is it uh yeah, it's 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 more pure coffee. So you, it's more nutty, less acidic, uh-huh. less citrusy, cleaner tasting. So you don't get any of like a you don't get as much full body that uh-huh. you would get. Now, when it comes to these processing techniques, just to summarize, there's there's three processing techniques, and one of them that I didn't mention was called the natural process. And uh-huh. what that is, they take the cherries from the farm. This and this is typically done in in East Africa or places where there isn't a lot of water. Okay. And what they do is they pick the cherries and then they just lay them on these drying beds under the sun with Ooh. the whole cherry full intact. So they sun and dry. That's right. So we call that a natural process, meaning we're, it's naturally drying. Ooh. Now, it's a lot more work and a lot more labor. And there's a bigger risk of the drying not being done in a, in a proper method, which would lead to things like fungus and mold if you're I not see. constantly rotating it. So it's expensive. Yeah. But in countries like Yemen, which is basically a desert, uh-huh. they don't have water, so they don't even have a choice. There's no there's no reason to do anything else. So you have the natural process. That's number one. Then you have what's called the semi-washed, which is what we were talking about, leaving the mucilage on a little bit. Uh-huh. And then the third one is called the fully washed fully. method, where they completely take the mucilage off and they wash the beans off. And and then you can experiment within these subcategories and just create these di- completely different flavor profiles, which is wow. really fun. That is that, that is amazing. Um, the uh, the the process that is dried is it dried on the straw mats? It's something that takes yes. the air in and around. That's it? right. Yeah. So um, there's there's this um, plant called a jute jute mm-hmm. plant which grows wild, and they use that and they turn it into. Um, beds and they'll dry it on there so that yes you're right there's there's air flowing through and it dries a little bit better there there is an um italian or other countries due to a winemaking process you know going back to the wine that yeah. they uh sun dry the grapes on the straw mats for a little bit and then they go through the fermentation so yep, yep. it is Very so similar. it is yeah the similarities i mean no wonder i like both drinks so. <laughs> <laughs> yes um so, okay, once, now we know how the coffee's grown, how it's processed, yeah. then they ship you the green mm-hmm. beans. What happens uh, there? Do you do blending before or you do blending after and roasting? How, what, yes. what happens next? Good question. Um, you can do both. So what happens next is let's take our, um, our number one selling coffee. We, we call it Bella Fincas. My, my dad gave this name. 20 years ago. Bella Finca is a blend of coffees for us. Mm-hmm. And um, we will then take the raw coffee mm-hmm. and we pre-measure it in buckets to prepare for the coffee roasting. 
So, you know, we're doing about 20 to 25 batches a day. Mm-hmm. So the in the evening, we'll start preparing the the batches for the following morning. In the case of Bella Finca, we will weigh out all the different uh, beans. It's a secret recipe, of course. But Oops, if it's, yeah. let's say, five different countries, yeah. you know, we're weighing, you know, it's Costa Rica, we're gonna, we have to weigh that two pounds, and the Colombian is seven pounds, and Thailand is nine. And then we make the, the pre-roasted blend. And then the next morning, it's already it's ready to go, and my father will roast. In some situations, we want what's called a single origin, meaning that yeah. it's, it's, it's pure, it's not blended at all. Uh-huh. And that one's a lot easier, especially for me, because I don't have to think. I can uh-huh. just pour it in and weigh it out. And, you know, this process is done in the evening every day. So that when my father comes in in the morning, he's ready to go. It's his favorite thing to do all day is just sit there uh-huh. with his baby and roast the coffee. Oh, that is, that is, <laughs> yeah. that, that's, that's amazing. I mean, this, uh, um, do you roast it in a, I mean, I don't know, we're jumping ahead or um, we should have talked about it. What type of equipment do you have for roasting? Yeah, good question. So the, the machine we have is called a San Franciscan. It's a it's a pretty big roasting machine. It's uh, roasts 25 pounds at a time. Is and it computerized? Can... Is it a drum? Yeah. Do you have to turn it? So yes. That... Good question. It's uh, it's not computerized, meaning that you you have to make the adjustments yourself for the temperature and the airflow and the speed. But it's a drum roaster, meaning that uh, and there's a video by the way. I'll, if if your you, listeners want. There's a video of me showing them how we roast coffee oh, absolutely. on my blog. They can check it out. But you basically dump it from the top of the machine and falls into this drum that, that's rotating. And underneath the drum is the fire source, similar to like a gas grill when you're barbecuing. Uh-huh. And the drum rotates the beans so that they're cooking or roasting evenly. And my father's role or the roaster's role is to, you know, make the adjustments to the, to the temperature, to the airflow, and to the speed, all while taking into account the atmospheric pressure and temperature of what's going on in the shop. And what I mean by that is, if it's humid and raining outside, we mm-hmm. have to make an adjustment to the roast because it's going to take a little bit longer because the, the air is a little bit heavier and denser. Yeah. On a hot summer day, which is rare here where we live, but on a hot summer day, the roast is going to be a lot faster, so we have to be on top of it. And my father will tell me, Harag, this morning, don't you can't talk to me tell customers i will call them back because it's hot and if he's not paying attention it will uh, just the roast will burn yeah so we have those kinds of things and what makes it even more complicated but not but in a good way yeah is the roasting machine is in the middle of our coffee shop oh which is really cool that is so cool i was gonna say just just to come and see the whole process yeah you know even for people who don't drink coffee which there is very little of those people who don't but still they uh, they can come and check out like they oh, that is so exciting. Yeah, and and you know Antony had it set up that way back in the 1970s when my father started growing the business. He had to get rid of the smaller machine and put a bigger one, and he just put it in the same spot but just changed the angle a little bit. Uh-huh. But it's a, it's in the same spot. And what we did last year when we remodeled, we we looked at it as kind of the the center of our coffee shop. We yeah. wanted to enhance that experience. So it's, it, you know, we have lights around it. And when you're sitting there waiting for your latte to be, to be made, it, you're literally standing right next to it. 
being engulfed in the smoke and the sounds, it's, it's a pretty cool experience. Oh, I bet. I bet. Well, next time I'm visiting uh, San Francisco, I'm, that's a must stop. Absolutely. So um, here is one thing that I'm always, um, you know, our, coffee has been part of uh, our culture and is part of our culture, but I don't really know so the details. So yeah. when you say Armenian coffee, um, yeah. espresso, American coffee, yeah. What is that? Because it's definitely not the beans. The beans are not Armenian. But yes. so what is it? Would yeah, that's a great question. That? Typically, what makes the, the drinks the way they are is the way that the coffee is ground or the actual size of the, the ground coffee uh-huh. and, and the equipment that you're using to make the coffee. So, All for right. example, an American, you know, typical American coffee is a medium grind. You know, uh-huh. if, if you have a range of one being very fine, 10 being very coarse, you would say like a number five, you know, like a generic grind. And you're using what we call like a drip coffee maker. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. It's just pouring water over it. Morning coffee. And then it, yeah. yeah. Morning coffee. Everybody knows. Now on the flip side, espresso coffee, espresso coffee is a little bit more finer. It's about a three, three and a half on the scale. Uh-huh. You, you have to make it in an espresso machine. And the reason you make it an espresso machine is because of the pressure that is built up in the water that's flowing through the coffee beans. Oh. So if you've ever had an espresso before, you'll notice that there's this like cream on the top, yes. a little bit light brown. That's a result of the pressure that's being built in the machine that's sh- shooting the water over those coffee beans. And the pressure is measured in bars, okay? In a typical espresso machine, a commercial machine like ours, is nine bars of pressure, which is about 130 PSI. So it's pretty intense. Pretty 130 yeah. PSI is like, you know, three times the pressure of your tires. Uh-huh. Wow. And that intense pressure, the way that interacts with the coffee, it, it adds this crema on top or this layer. And that's from a result of the fat content found in the beans. And it just enhances the taste and adds this, you know, more body to the coffee as you're drinking it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Does it like does it add anything to the flavor? But you explained it. Yeah, that yeah. that is that's yeah. amazing. And, and what about other Armenian coffee? Oh, yeah. yeah. So so Armenian coffee now the the industry calls it Turkish coffee because in the 1700s when coffee was founded in East Africa and or Yemen, yeah. the Turkish empire was taken over all these countries like ours. Yes. And they were doing trades with European countries and the Europeans were giving them spices and all this stuff. And Turkey was giving them other goods and they started giving them coffee. So the Europeans started calling it Turkish coffee because Mm -hmm. that's how they were drinking it. And unfortunately for us, that's an industry term. But it's the exact same thing as Armenian coffee. It's the exact same thing as Greek coffee or Arabic coffee. And the way that it's made is what sets it apart. For example... The Armenians, we like it a certain way, right? We like it, maybe we like it dark. Uh-huh. Maybe the Le- Lipanansis, the Lebanese Armenians like it half and half. But the Greeks, oh, no, no. The Greeks, they want it very sour uh-huh. and very, very light or tutu is what we say. Oh, it's too sour. I can't have it. Uh-huh. The, the Saudis, they want it death black. Wow. They don't want, they don't put milk. They don't put sugar. The Palestinians, they want hal, which is cardamom Car- yes it, yeah right so the way that it's made is the exact same which is 
very, very fine coffee, like, like powdered sugar. Uh-huh. And you use a pot. The, the, there's a term called jezve, um, if you've seen, or they call it a coffee warmer in the industry term. Yeah. And it has no filter. No filter, So you're literally yeah. just scooping the coffee in the water. It's dissolving in it. And what makes it Armenian or Arabic or Greek is actually the roast. I was going to ask, the, yeah. Yeah, the blend, basically. It's basically the blend and the roast profile. Mm-hmm. So what is the way that I have been making Armenian coffee always um, yeah. was, you know, you take a, a spoon of coffee. I like yes. it a little sweet. So I put like a quarter teaspoon of sugar and then one okay. cup of water and then yeah. I bring it to simmer. Now, yes. I have seen people bring the water to a boil and then put all the stuff in there. Yes. And yes. everybody yes. has their... Yes. Everyone's saying, no, this is the wrong way. This is the right way. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, what yeah, is yeah. the right way? <laughs> Here's, you know, it's funny, Anush, you bring that up because, you know, since we've been promoting our, our Armenian coffee, we've been getting a lot of this going on Question. On, <laughs> on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. And my answer to, my answer is the right way is the way your mom and your grandma taught you. Oh, okay. Because that is a, that is, a, that's, that's truly who we are as Armenians. Yeah. It, Armenian coffee is the way that it's passed down from one generation to the other that makes it Armenian. Mm-hmm. Because there's no such thing as Armenian coffee beans. Yes. Right? Yep. And the industry doesn't call it Armenian. In mm-hmm. fact, they call it Turkish coffee. Yeah. So I say, you know what? What makes it Armenian is the fact that my meds mama, my grandma, told me that, oh, no, no, you don't, you don't stir it. Right? Yeah. And if my wife's mom says... Oh, I have to stir it because I don't like the cream that's on top. Yeah, that's fine because I love being Armenian, and I embrace, I embrace all the little nuances and the culture and the and the traditions. So that's my response. That's my response to you. Is yeah. Now, if if you've never made it before, uh-huh. and you want to have, uh, you know, a recipe. Yes. Then okay. then what we teach is my father's recipe because it's my dad. It's Henry. It goes with the brand, and this is the way that my dad was taught. And so that's the way we teach it. And, and so the way my father does it is, <clears throat> first of all, he doesn't put any milk or sugar in it. Mm-hmm. And so we'll put, um, for every one of those small Armenian coffee cups, you put one, <clears throat> excuse me, one tablespoon of, of uh, coffee in there. Tablespoon or teaspoon? I'm sorry, teaspoon. Teaspoon, said, okay. Oh, that's, that's too much coffee, yeah. Yeah. And what you do is you put it into the cold water. And you uh-huh. put this mixture on top of your stove and you start stirring it with your spoon to get the coffee to start becoming agitated uh-huh. and getting, you know, acclimated with the water. And then you put the spoon away and you don't touch it again, according to my dad. Okay. Chest up now. You put it away. Uh-huh. And now what you're going to do is you got to keep an eye on the coffee. With Armenian coffee, what's happening is because the coffee is so fine, it's creating a crust on top of the water. Mm-hmm. And as you're adding heat and heat, think of a volcano. Mm-hmm. What happens when the volcano get, gets too hot? It erupts, right? So with Armenian coffee, when you're just leaving it on the stove like that, you have to pay a lot of close attention to the coffee rising up. Mm-hmm. And what you'll notice is as it gets hot, this coffee is going to slowly start to rise. And the second you see it rising close to the top, you take it off the stove. Mm-hmm. And again, you don't you don't mix it, according to Henry. Yeah. And you're going to tap it on the table once or twice. And what the tapping does is it takes all of the micro bubbles that are on top of the coffee and condenses them and mm. makes them a little bit thicker, like a cream, and like when you're having an espresso. 
Then you place it back on the burner one more time and follow a similar step where you're looking for the coffee to rise up. And when it slowly starts to rise up, you take it off the boil and you let it rest for about 10 seconds. Uh So now you have Armenian coffee. There's this thick crema on top and nice, delicious, rich liquid on the bottom. But here's the trick. Coffee, Armenian coffee is usually shared with somebody. I mean, typically you're not drinking it by yourself. There's a guest or something. Mm -hmm. So if you have two cups, the trick to pouring it out consistently is pouring it half in the first cup, half in the second one, and then going back to the first one, filling it all the way up, going back to the second one and filling it all the way up. And the reason we do that is so that the crema Mm -hmm. is spread evenly throughout the cups. Otherwise, your first cup is going to be all cream and your second cup is going to be all liquid and it's not going to taste good. Wow, that is, um, I'm, I'm absolutely going to try it to make it Henry's way. And yeah. uh, it just like from all the descriptions, it sounds so delicious. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and in Armenian, I mean, I don't know, um, in the, uh, Eastern Armenia, uh, where I come from, um, we mm-hmm. call that crema ser, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. also... Um, you know, can be translated toward love. So yes. they say, yep. if you make the coffee with a lot of sed, it means mm-hmm. that you really love me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> See, this is why I love, I love my culture. These little things are amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, if, and if, you know, my mother-in-law hates sed. Mm-hmm. She doesn't like it. Yeah. So I'm totally going to tease her next time with this. Yeah. I'm going to say, Mom, where's my sin? Does that mean you're not loving? But yeah. it doesn't mean it's wrong. I just, it's just part of the culture. And I, this is exactly why that, look, Anush, we're having a conversation just around the medium of coffee and it's bringing us together. That's what it's about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? I love, I love this stuff. It's so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is exactly. It's something that, um, you know, once you're in the corporate world, I am trying to think what can bring people so close and share their memories, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But but when it's an agricultural product, when it's also a uh, product that's uh, culturally, that's that's uh, true to the culture too, that makes things even more special. And that's right. So much to talk about. Um, so now that we know how the coffee is made, how it's harvested, how it's grown. That's such a great information. I have learned so much. Uh, I want to ask you about, I mean, from the conversation, I can already tell that you do have a cafe, a facility, but tell us more about the location, uh, you know, where is it and the cafe, etc. Yeah, so, you know, our, our retail location is in San Francisco, California. It's in an area called the Sunset District, which is on the western part of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And we've been there since the early 70s. And it, it looks like your typical uh, coffee shop. I think it looks a little bit more modern, a little bit more classic. And we have a, like I mentioned, a coffee roaster right in the middle of the shop. So when you walk in, especially in the mornings, you'll see my father roasting the coffee as you're waiting in line to place your order. Mm-hmm. And um, the back of the shop is actually wide open, and that's where we do a lot of our our wholesale and our online business. So you can see us packing the coffee beans and sealing the bags, and you know the music playing. So it feels a little more industrial on the back, but it's it's this open kitchen concept, where again we're trying to um, give a full experience 
to the customers and let them know that, you know, it's not just the retail location that we have. We do all this other type of business. And I love giving customers tours because I, I see them sometimes poking their head in. Mm-hmm. You know, they're afraid to walk in like, oh, can I walk in here? And I tell them, come on back here. Let me give you a little tour and tell you a little more about coffee. Mm-hmm. That, is a, that is an amazing experience. I haven't been to a coffee shop where they invited me back to, to tour. I would love that. Yeah. I'd love to see all that and then learn and then you get extra questions. So, so you have a retail. Do you also sell it wholesale? Yes. So we have, yeah, we have retail, we, we have wholesale and we do online business. Um, and the wholesale is mainly for, you know, restaurants or, or other coffee shops. Mm-hmm. We have, um, you know, because we're in San Francisco, very coffee centric. We also do um, business with the local biz, uh, local corporations. So like Pinterest, for example, mm-hmm. serves our coffee to their employees. Uh, oh, Facebook, that's amazing. Yeah. Facebook has served our coffee to their employees on a rotation. Uh, which is really, really cool. Um, oh, I love that. There's a, there's a coffee shop in Canada owned by Armenians called Antika. Uh-huh. Where we serve Armenian coffee. We wholesale our coffee to them. I mean, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing to connect the Armenians together like that. What about in the other states, like in uh, East Coast? Yeah, we have, on the, on the, in the rest of the U.S., we predominantly just do retail where we're just shipping our coffee mm-hmm. directly to the customer. We don't have as many wholesale accounts um, on the East Coast, but mm-hmm. mainly the West Coast. And we have a lot of supermarkets. I think we're in about 104 supermarkets locally, like from San Francisco all the way down to, um, you know, we call it Gilroy, California, which is uh, kind of the middle central uh-huh. coast That's of amazing. California. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's great. Blessed. Definitely blessed. So you have, so you you sell it online, and um, you have a website. Yes, you know, Anush, when I joined, I was trying to figure out my role, and I would say, you know, the last four years, my focus has been mainly on online, direct to consumer, and mm-hmm. that that started because I noticed both my wife and I ordering more and more things on online on our phones through mm-hmm. Amazon, and so that's been a really great. Um, opportunity for me. I really enjoy it. We used to do about 30 orders a month online, and now we're over 350 orders a month. So the growth has been really good. And what what's exciting for me is the ability to tell our story, our unique situation and our heritage online through videos and images. And, and the reactions we get, the comments that we get is the reason why I do it. And I'm always sh- showing my dad, Bob, Look what they said about you, or mm-hmm. look what the, look at this coffee review. It's uh, it's amazing to know that there's somebody in Nevada, yeah, that, you know, may not have any type of an Armenian uh, supermarket, but they're buying our coffee online mm-hmm. because of our offering, and just it's it's amazing because of your offering, because of your story, because of your connection. People like yeah. to connect. And maybe find something interpersonal with the person who is selling it because um, it's it's very sweet. I mean, you you have an absolutely beautiful website. It's very thank you uh, uh, interactive. It gives great information. But not only the website. I I, I wanted to say that the uh, the coffee that you sent me. Thank you so much. It's absolutely delicious. I made thank it you. my way, but I'm going not to make <laughs> your dad's way. 
And um, just the details on this um, packaging, you know, the eternity symbol, the alphabet letters, the Armenian alphabet, a little bit of your story. It's just, yeah, it's 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 um, very well thought and very nicely designed. It's not you want to look at the packaging. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And thank you very much, Anush. It means a lot. You know, we, we put so much time and effort into the, all those little things. Um, and I know you're in the industry, so you have an eye for it and you notice it. So that, that means a lot to me. And <clears throat> I always tell people that, you know, if you're going to be passionate about something, um, it's going to be hard work, but it's going to be easy because you're yeah. passionate about it. So yeah. whatever you're feeling is going to come out. And that's that was the, the genesis of my Armenian coffee bags, because I always would think about you know, what, what is it really being Armenian? Mm -hmm. You know, we have our culture, we have our land, our borders, but if we don't have our language, if we're not speaking Armenian, particularly yeah. now that I have kids of my own, then it makes it pretty difficult. Um, you know, it's like you need, it's like a stool that has two legs. You need the third leg, you need that language. And so that's why I put our, our Armenian letters on there. Cause I'm very proud of it. I love it. I took a linguistics class and my teacher at, in my in college pulled me aside and was so excited that he had an Armenian in his class because he was telling me, you know, this is one of the few languages that has its own branch. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not, doesn't come from any other like Latin source. And he was fascinated by that. And I just thought, you know, we are so lucky to have this and I wanted to promote that. So we put it on our backs. That's beautiful. It's a, it's a, it's a great touch. It adds just a little bit uh, more, I mean, sentimental uh, value to me. It's, you look at it and it's like, oh, Look, and then you're looking for the letter of your name, and then you mm -hmm. find it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. I love that. That is, that is amazing. So, do, do you have, um, you know, you're selling wholesale, retail, online. Is there, in, in the retail, I wanted to ask you this, um, uh, do you have a lot of, like, Middle Eastern, Mediterranean, or is it a mix? Yeah, for, for our store itself, our brick-and-mortar store, it's a complete mix just because San Francisco itself has a pretty diverse population. Mm -hmm. um, and from an online perspective, you know, it's fairly mixed, but 30% of our population that buys online are Armenian or of, of, or of Armenian descent. Mm -hmm. And then the rest are, you know, you're kind of all over the place in terms of ethnicity and age, but... Um, you know, 30% of our business, which is a good chunk, so, yeah. um, are, are Armenians from all over the United States buying our coffee on our website as opposed to going to like a, you know, local market and getting getting it from there. Do you, do you, have you ever thought or do you have like a coffee club, like the wine clubs where you yeah. offer special like roasts or special mm -hmm. holiday things? You do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, on our website, we have a if you were to click on the shop menu, there's a there's a link called coffee subscriptions, and we have a what we call it Henry's Choice. And oh. It's a monthly coffee club, and every month my father will pick a coffee that he thinks would be great, and we'll ship that to you uh, along with a card that kind of explains where the coffee's from, some fun facts about the country, um, and a signature from yours truly to show them that uh, that is amazing. You know, we care, yeah. That is so exciting because, uh, you know, just like in the for the wine clubs, you know, you subscribe and each month or each quarter you get a shipment with a description where it comes from, etc. And this one is done with a coffee. 
Yeah. That yeah. is wonderful. Anush, you know, another thing we took from the wine industry is this idea of a flight of wine, I believe. Is that correct? Is that yes, the term? yes, like a tasting. Um, Tasting? Yeah, like a tasting. So we, we, we did something similar where we have a, a sampler pack of coffees. And uh, our top five selling coffees from lightest roast all the way to darkest, it's called Henry's Flight. Uh-huh. And uh, it allows you to kind of taste the top selling coffees that we have without having to purchase a whole pound. And you can you'll, it, it comes in little packs and you can make four or five cups of coffee in each one of those packs and get a taste of you know what we have to offer. That is such a brilliant idea. I mean, I love that because yeah. it's, um, you know, just like for the wine, you know, when you drink something one day and then you drink something the other day, yes, you have to have like a super good memory to remember all the nuances. <laughs> but yeah. if you can make this and have like a party and do the coffee tasting, I love yeah. that. What about in the store? When Can somebody come in the store and say, can I order a flight of the... Yeah, the, you know, we have it. We don't have that yet. I think from a from a process perspective, it's a little challenging to yeah. have to brew small cups. Yeah. But we but we do have what's called a pour over coffee. So, our menu our menu for coffee beans themselves, we have twenty different blends and unique single origin beans, and you can pick whichever one you want, and we'll make you a cup of coffee of that coffee. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Harak, there is like, uh, you know, when. When we started our conversation, you said you can take for days. I can take talk. I mean, talk for days with you about coffee, about drawing similarities, about yeah. wine, about everything. Like it can it can go forever. But I understand you're busy. You need to get back to. I wanted to ask you. Um, so, what is the goal for the Henry's Coffee House? You know, it has been. Uh, there for past 50 years you know i yeah. want to see you guys for another 50 100 200 years keep yeah. going what is what is the goal yeah. thanks Anush. that's a great question and i get that asked a lot and my 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 number one goal is to honor what my my dad and my grandfather and Antonik did to build this business and the you know the res the response i get is that's great but what do you mean by that and what I mean by that is I want to continue to stay true to who we are. So there's a lot of trends in coffee now when it comes to like the, the taste being very frutal, fruity and floral. And while I understand that maybe in, I want to stay true to what my dad has created, which is a more, you know, robust, darker roast coffee. And so from a, from a business perspective, we continue to produce those types of beans and those types of blends and we'll keep having the retail location. But, you know, with, with the demographic becoming younger and younger and purchasing things more online, yeah. my focus is to grow the online business um, to a point where, you know, that can be the main sustainable source of the business. Right now, it's, you know, 20% of my business is from online. And I hope to grow that part because that way it allows me to, to share all this with people throughout the United States. Yeah, that's... Well, I wish you lots of success with that. And I hope that, you know, by sharing your story with us, uh, we can help you and get more listeners to check in and try try your, I almost said wines, try the, hmm. try the coffee and uh, share with, with friends, share, share your story because it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful story. It's um, very... Um, 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 inspiring you know it's you you listen to stories like yours and you want to get out 
and go do something. You know, yeah. you want to create yeah. something. You want to be part of the culture. You want to be part of things that are going on. I wish you lots of success to you and your dad. I hope to see you in person sometime soon. And thank you so much for today's conversation. You're absolutely welcome. Thanks, Anush, for the opportunity and allowing us to tell our story and to your, to your listeners about our business. If they're interested, they can purchase our coffee online at henryshouseofcoffee.com. Or if they want more of an Armenian-centric product, they can go to surj.com, which is S-O-O-R-J.com. And uh, thanks again. I appreciate this. Thank you very much. That was surj.com. I can't wait to get on there. You know the thing about it, Ryan, uh, when Armenians drink coffee, they flip it over. It's these little espresso cups they flip over after they drink it. And it's so thick that it runs on the sides. And uh, then you get one of the old ladies uh, amongst the group. And you know what? They've taught me a couple things uh, about what to look for in these cups after you flip it over. And they've always said you don't read the coffee at nighttime. You don't read your cup at night. So I I don't do that. I'm scared of something might pop up out of the cup or whatever. But in any case... uh, It's kind of interesting. Coffee is part of the Armenian heritage, and it's such a strong culture uh, with the coffee. And I'm going to check that out, surj.com. That's what he said, right? S-O-O-R-J.com. And I will check that out, and I want you guys to check that out, too. What a great interview that was. Thank you so much, Anush and Hurag, for putting that together. Folks, YoRadio.com, check it out. All the podcast shows are out there, free music out there. We will. I will talk to the GM about getting an Armenian channel put up there uh, with just music, Armenian music out there, and that'll be really cool. I've I've been working on that, but I I need content. If you guys can send me uh, all sorts of different music, Armenian music's out there, you know, I'd love to present it to our uh, Yo Radio and uh, maybe have an Armenian channel. Who, who knows? But in any case, uh, that's our show for today. Genatsit Kisher Party. We'll see you next time. Tune in next week for another episode of A Toast to Armenia with Jano Kabinjian. Find the show online at armeniaproud.com and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and all major podcast outlets. Join the conversation at Facebook.com slash Armenia Proud or Twitter at Armenia Proud. Get all of our podcasts now at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.